committed to building this school. Now you're going to have to do that because they're like waiting for you. You have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. Discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Brought to you by your host, Dorothy Ilson. Welcome to the show. My name is Dorothy, and I am so excited to have you here for episode 10 of Do Well and Do Good. Now, on this show, my guests all have very different stories, very different backgrounds, but they do have one thing in common. See, they believe, just like I do, that creating massive financial freedom and making a massive impact can go hand in hand. Now, if we have not yet connected, I would love to chat with you one-on-one. I really want to get to know the listeners of this show and figure out how I can best help you reach your goals. So you can schedule a quick call with me via the link in the pinned post at the top of our free Facebook community. To find that, head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you there. And now let's chat with today's guest, Rachel Miller. Serial online entrepreneur and mom of six kids, Rachel began as a blogger and went on to build audiences ranging in the millions. She is a sought-after speaker, a published author of multiple books, including a bestseller that sold over 100,000 copies. She's had her content featured on Good Morning America and other national magazines and syndicated shows. In January 2017, she began teaching others how to craft their own viral content. And 34 of her students have gone on to get individual posts in front of more than 10 million people, which is absolutely mind boggling. <laughs> when you say all this, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. You're welcome. And Rachel, I know that you're also dedicated to giving back and making an impact, which you did most recently through your involvement with the charity Village Impact, helping to build a well and a school in Kenya for over 300 students. So I am so, so, so excited to have you here. Of all my accomplishments, I think that one is my favorite. Amazing. Well, Rachel, I would love to kick things off by hearing what are you exci- most excited about right now? Oh, probably the school in Kenya for sure. Like whenever I get like, they give me updates of the pictures and I just get really excited, really thrilled to see that not only is my business like helping people's lives and helping the businesses grow, but it's able to have an impact on people who have no other options. So yeah, there's a whole backstory to it. I don't know when, where where we want to go into the backstory if that's... We will dig into that. Absolutely. But I would like to actually start out talking about your business a little bit. So I know that you you started as a blogger, eventually cracking the code to making content go viral and building massive audiences. So can you tell me what that first blog was about and the story of how it really became the launching pad for everything you've accomplished since? Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was um, sitting at home and I was bored out of my mind. And I had, I think, two kids at the time. And I was, or either I was pregnant with my second one or I was pregnant with my third. I can't remember. I had three children in two and a half years. That whole time is just a big blur. Moms <laughs> <laughs> of multiples totally know what I mean. 
somewhere in there, my husband came home and knew that I was like mentally dying on the inside. And he's like, you know what? I was like, there's no mental stimulation. All I'm doing is talking to these infants. And I'm such extrovert. Like this was like killing me. So um, he's like, you know what? I hear that there's this, and I'd quit my job, which I love teaching even though I made like no money at it. I mean, I was teaching in a rural Texas school and that's like right on the, I think they paid a hundred or $500 extra over the bare minimum for the state required pay. <laughs> so like it was 26 grand a year. It was bad, <laughs> but it, like you can make it as a substitute teacher and any other school is probably more money than I was doing. But I loved it. I loved it. But I had to quit because you can't afford daycare for that many kids on 26 K a year. Anyway, so I came home, I was with my kids and I was going crazy. And my husband comes home and he's like, okay, you're, you're obviously got some, like, you need to do something with yourself issues that is not being a mom of kids. Cause yes, you're busy, but you know, you need to be doing something for you right now. And I hear that girls have blogs. So why don't you have a blog? <laughs> did you really say that? I literally did. <laughs> really did. Oh, we were like looking back. I'm like, what? Like, anyways, <laughs> you really said that to me, like, and I was okay with you saying that to me. Um, <laughs> typically, I don't think. I think I would like the, the me from now would probably be like, excuse me, you said what? <laughs> like, but anyways, at the time, I like listened, and and anyways, he came home with a PHP book and a CSS book. And this is before they had tutorials online a whole lot. It was like 11 years ago. And um, he gave me these huge honking big books. And he's like, okay, so what's your domain name going to be? I'm like, um, huh? Okay, um, Quirky Mama. I'm going to call it, we misspelled it. We freaking no. misspelled it. <laughs> like, if you go today to Facebook and you type in Quirky Mama, it's M-O-M-M-A. No one spells mama that way. <laughs> Anyways, so that's how much thought I put into it. Like, we totally did not think of this through. Um, no SEO on that one. We, anyways, we just picked a name and I started the website. It was about preschool um, kids activities. And cause that's what I was doing is I was surrounded by preschoolers. I was like, what am I going to talk about all day? And next thing you know, I was lonely. So I made the content. I was like, what can I do to get people to talk to me online? Like that was my whole like, point of this is I need some friends really badly. And <laughs> so, so I started talking to people and next thing you know, I'm like, oh, more people like that content. Oh, if I do this, more people see the content. Oh, well, what else do they want me to talk about? I don't care. I'm talking about anything. I just want you to talk to me. <laughs> so next thing you know, it went crazy and yeah, it exploded. We were getting up to 10 million page views a month. We broke Google Analytics. So Google Analytics does go higher than 10 million, but we weren't going to pay for that level and they call that enterprise analytics. And you know, we didn't pay for that. So like, we just stopped at 10 million. Um, <laughs> so we grew our, my Pinterest to over 200,000. We grew my Facebook to 2.2 million. We had, yeah, it was cr- crazy fun, crazy cool. So I got bored though with preschool activities. So there's only so much Play-Doh and only so much glitter and so much glue sticks <laughs> that you can handle before you, again, go back to that freaking going insane moment. <laughs> <laughs> so as I'm losing my brain with Play-Doh and I'm like, if I have to do one more thing with Play-Doh, I'm going to, <laughs> so I'm, I'm yelling at my kids with the crafts because I hated them. Let me said that my kids now were like, they're like elementary age and they're like, mom, do I really have to do another craft? Like <laughs> fun for anyone anymore. So I left that and I was like, well, what else can I do? This obviously is stress for my family for me. I want to make another one. So I left um, Quirky Mods, so, um, sold it to a girl and left it, and then moved on to DIY home stuff. 
but I used my other networks. So preschool crafts has similar stuff to DIY home mom. So I was able to use my friends to help me grow. Like, Hey, could you share something for me? So I used like the network that I had. I used, I had a lot of money at that time. Not, not a lot of money, but I mean, I had another income from the other web- website that I was able to use to finance the website, to finance the staff, finance the creation of the content. So I had a lot of resources that a lot of people who are just beginning a business do not have. Was that through, you know, like Google display ads on the website? What, what was that income from? We use AdThrive. Okay. So AdDrive and we, I'm still, my websites are on autopilot, my websites that I own right now. And we still bring in multiple five figures a month. Like I think we are at 15,000 so far this month, but it's consistent and I don't mm-hmm. do any work on it. It just continues to come in. So God, it is good that that's, that's there. So but anyways, you build it. That's what I love about leveraged income and businesses that you create with leveraged income. You do the work once, you create the content, you create the promotion plan, you've got it set up. And then you turn it on and it works and you get to continue to bring in the the residual income from that until that post dies and you have another post that goes crazy. So anyways, so I went on one crazy house and I built that into a viral site as well. We got, um, we've had 52 million page views so far on that in like three years, we had 52 million page views. So it grew and that was from zero to three years later, 52 million Within the first year, we pulled off a six-figure year. We had multiple six-figure years after that going forward. It was really fun, exciting to see that happen. So I started speaking at conferences, mostly because I wanted travel and I wanted to travel without having to pay for it. So um, I started speaking at some like blog conferences. And when I went to the conferences, I spoke about how I built Quirky Mom and how I built the One Crazy House site. And so people would say, like I was in the bathroom actually, and I'm in the bathroom. No one knows that I'm there. And I'm listening to two girls at the sink. And they're talking about my speech that I just did from stage, maybe an hour earlier. And she said, the one girl said the other, I can't be like these big bloggers that are up here. They're, they're these like celebrity bloggers. I could never grow this kind of site. And the other girl said to her, that's okay. You got to know she's doing it with all of these resources. She has quirky mama backing. She has money that we don't have. She does X, Y, Z. She knows these things. She has other relationships that she can pull on to promote the content. So we can't do that. So just listen to this, like the rah-rah speech. And so you're going, but it's not a rah-rah speech. (laughs) (laughs) Do not tell me I'm just rah-rah. So I left that, like, I literally came home crying. Like, okay, I'm a oh, I'm sure. Little, like, I'm a basket case usually. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I go home and I'm bawling to my husband. And he's like, are you for real? Like, okay, come on. So he's like, so what's a no amount of money that anybody could do since you quote unquote have too much money, which is like a theme in my life. I'm, anyways, but so if you have too much money for, for, to be considered to be like growing from scratch, what would be like something anybody could do? And I was like, well, under $5 a day. He's like, okay, so make another site. I'm like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> He's like, um, just make it on cats then. <laughs> so like, it was a joke. I was like, okay, whatever. And so I went, like, I went online literally within 20 minutes of him saying that, made the cat page. I called it crazy. No, I called it, I'm my cat's mom. And then um, I interviewed my audience within like, oh, two, three days, which would you rather have cat or crazy cat lady or something else? And so they all chose crazy cat lady. But um, so he said, you know, do that for $5 a day or less. 
and grow an audience and do this with no one else knowing you're growing it. So you can't use your other friendships to grow it. You're not going to use any of your other sites because they have nothing to do with cats. So see if you can grow this website with no relationships, with no help, with no money. Can you still grow this website? And I did. Like, I think we got to 100,000 in like just a couple weeks. I can't remember the stats anymore, but it may have been like six weeks. Wow. I mean, it was like, it was really, really fast. And then I'm sitting here thinking, well, of course, babe, it was cats. Well, like anybody can go viral with cats. <laughs> like, like you picked a dog topic. I say, I can't do this again. Right. And he's like, bless his heart. Like he's like the guy who's like rolling his eyes going, you got this, babe. Like, come on. <laughs> he's your rah-rah person. <laughs> he's my rah-rah person. So yeah, I was like, well, he's like, well, what's something that's really boring? And I don't like cooking and I never cook actually. And so I was like, something that's really boring is like crock pots. Like who thinks a crock, it's an appliance. Anyways, I made a crockpot site and there are actual people who are like really gungo bonkers and crazy. So it went viral too. But I honestly thought it was like a boring topic when I went into it. (laughs) So I made those viral and I went to a group of a hundred people and I said, Hey, do you guys want to learn what I did? And they all said yes. And then we started a Moolah, like I did, I didn't even have the course when they said yes. I just hold, held up a file folder and it's like, here's like this path of kind of what I did. So do you guys want me to talk about this, this path? And literally the file folder just had post-it notes on it. And they said yes. And of the 47 people, I think 15 of them went viral. And the other, you know, 20 of them didn't even open the course. <laughs> so they took it, they bought it just because they liked me, not because they actually were going to take it. So they, they took it after they saw the success of the other people. So then after, then we opened in January the course. And since then we've had 2,600 students and 34 of them go to over 10 million on a single piece of content. One, three people went from not having much of a Facebook page. I think one person had like a hundred thousand, hundred fans. Another person had like six hundred. Person like twenty thousand to over a million fans on their Facebook pages. We've had one person get three million shares. So of a single piece of content, she had it shared three million times. I can't even believe that. Number. Wow. So I know the numbers are kind of crazy. It's such a remarkable story, Rachel. And I know. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> uh, there's just, there's so much there that I want to dig into, but I'm curious. So, you know, it sounds like the original blog, Quirky Mama, it started really just as kind of a creative outlet for you and, and something to like get your mind off the, the preschoolers. But then you ended up doing six figures with that business in the first year. Quirky Mama, I didn't make six figures the first year. That was my second site. Gotcha, the gotcha. first one, I think... The first year, I don't think I made any money because I didn't know how to monetize it yet. And I didn't know what I was doing. So it took me a couple of years to figure that out. But the second business I started, I made six figures in the first, the first year. I think we did it in like nine months or something. Um, and then we went on the next, um, the next year to bring in multiple six figures. And it's been consistently high since then. It's absolutely amazing. And so when you started down this path of, of building these audiences, like was it was it your goal with Quirky Mama at the beginning? Like, I want to grow this to, you know, millions of people? Or did it, did you just kind of stumble upon this code of virality? Like, how did you crack the code to how to reach audiences in, in these numbers? I just wanted people to listen. So I wanted to be somebody that was making an impact in other people's lives. So your content, when you create content, it's powerful. 
you have the ability to put a smile on someone's face that you've never met before, wherever they are, put a smile on their face. So my goal was to just make an impact on their lives and make them smile and make them have something to distract them in their day. Yeah. So yeah, it was really fun to see what happens when you just love on people. It's amazing. And I I definitely want to dive into your mindset around money and the financial success you've had. But first, just, just real quick, for anyone who is creating content to try to build an audience on Facebook, I'd like to go tactical. What are kind of two or three little tips that can help them to expand their reach organically and get their message out, especially given all of the changes to the Facebook algorithm in 2018? Well, the Facebook algorithm right now is a whole lot like the algorithm of 2013, 2014. And that algorithm really loved comments. Shares weren't as big of a thing. You didn't have groups back then. What did you have? You had comments. And it seems like we've gone back to that stage where comments are king. So content is awesome. Your audience is awesome. But your audience is only awesome as much as they engage with you. So anytime you can talk to your audience, get them to talk to you and you have a conversation back with them, a back and forth dialogue, that increases your page's reach in their feed with all subsequent posts. So last night on my Facebook page, my smallest Facebook page, I have 10,000 people on it. And within an hour and a half of posts, I had 103 people um, leave comments on a post that I put up. That happens because they've engaged with my page so many times in the past. Facebook's like, oh, they've engaged in the past. They're probably going to want this new post. So next thing you know, those people get that post delivered into their feed. And literally one out of a hundred of the people in my feed that like my page within one an hour, 90 minutes of it being posted, left a comment on that post. So it's totally possible today to slay the algorithm. I mean, I haven't even checked it since since last night when I posted it, but I'm guessing that it's gotten um, at least four or five, 600 comments on that piece of content since then because people want to engage and Facebook sees different people are engaging on it, then they're going to show it to the rest of your fans. Anytime somebody's engaged on your page, it shows a closer affinity to you. So if you've interacted with that content in the past, Facebook says you must want more of this content, even if they're not Facebook fans. So, or if their friends are a fan of yours. So let's say two people are friends and they're talking on my page. Facebook's going to look at that and say, okay, they're talking. Other people who are just are friends with both of you, they probably want to join that conversation too. So anything that's a closer affinity to us, Facebook delivers in our feed and conversations really make that affinity a reality. So yeah. What are some ways that we can encourage comments on our posts? I mean, are you telling people, you know, comment below and tell me X, Y, Z? Like, how do you encourage that to happen? Shout out below with your favorite yada, yada. Bet you know somebody who really needs to hear da, 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 da. So when you say bet you know somebody, it's not raising any clickbait rules. Right. Um, It's not saying tag your friend. I'm saying tag your friend. And it's when you put that out there, now Facebook, your, your readers don't feel bossed and they tell their friends, hey, did you see this? Because I think it's relevant to you. (laughs) Awesome. So now I'd like to take it all the way back to the beginning and actually back to your childhood, Rachel. I'm, I'm curious, what beliefs about money did your family instill in you growing up and how were those helpful or perhaps harmful to you in achieving success? Well, my family was also entrepreneurs. So it was a lot of feast or famine in my family growing up in the sense that that's the kind of the entrepreneurial cycle. So <laughs> sure. 
when Quirky Mama was starting, guys, there wasn't a whole lot of money. <laughs> Mind you, we were happy and I didn't notice. And, and even today, yeah, we ate like beans and rice like three times a week, but happily, like we were happy that way. Beans and rice out of necessity, guys, as the saying is. <clears throat> so, but the reality is you can have a feast and famine lifestyle that's pretty typical for an entrepreneur. So it wasn't scary for me to go through a period of famine in the sense like life belts are tight. It was scary actually as I'm saying that. You know what? There was a time when we couldn't afford a daughter's formula and I had to go ask my mom for money for formula. And that one, it wasn't scary, but it was like humiliating, I guess you could say. Not that my parents made it humiliating. They didn't. It was just, am I really going to this level where I'm having to ask money for formula? We are going to monetize this website. <laughs> this is not happening again. <laughs> so, and my original goal with the website was, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just cover my mortgage? Wouldn't that be great? And then later on, like, well, maybe the mortgage and the groceries. And then it was, okay, I've already covered my husband's salary. What if I doubled it? <laughs> and now, like, I think that last year we met a new goal, which was in one day I'd earned as much as I'd made as a teacher in a year. That was pretty cool too. So that was another milestone. I don't know what the next milestone is going to be. <laughs> so going back to the money mindset, my parents were entrepreneurs. So I saw that feast and famine cycle that entrepreneurs have. And so I kind of thought that was normal. And it gave me the inspiration that when you're in a famine, it's not, oh my word, the world hates me. It's okay, well, what can I do to turn the tables now? So let's look at our money situation. What brings in the money? What can we do that we can monetize? So that's when I began running ads on my site. That's when I began doing sponsored content. What else can I do to run money? Doing affiliate posts and even started creating my own products and selling them. So they were some or e-products. We moved even into physical products that our audience would be buying. So what would you say is the biggest misconception that young people have about achieving financial success? Probably they don't think it's for them. Like, you have to get off your butt and do it to some degree. So you have to believe that it's possible. So when you're saying, okay, there's not money there right now, you have to believe that it's possible that there can be money. So you take an action to go fix that, fix the area. It's not someone else's fault that you don't have money. It's not your boss because they didn't give you a raise. It's you because you're choosing to be in a position where you're not valued for your, your skill set. And would you want to quit that job because you're not valued for your skill set? No, but this does mean now begin planning what is your next steps that you can leave this in a responsible manner and have more financial um, stability. So for me, I don't necessarily, yes, I have accumulated a lot of wealth, but the reality is what I care more about than the wealth is the stability, the freedom, the flexibility Mm -hmm. that that wealth gives to me. So I'm able to give to things that are important to me. I'm able to take off if I need to. I never need to worry right now if formula, if I needed formula, how to get that. Does that make sense? It's nice to be in other spot. Um, and that comes because I looked at the money and said, okay, I don't have this now. What skill sets can I develop so that I can fix this for the future? So what's been your biggest motivator, would you say, in, in reaching for financial freedom? Probably my, definitely my kids. Definitely kids. And in that moment when the formula situation, that was a turning point for us for sure. That was a, we need to begin monetizing it. And then the next turning point actually came when I went to digital marketers events. So after the formula situation, I started monetizing my sites. And I think I was making like, oh, between three and $10,000 a month. 
Okay. So like Christmas time, it'd be 10,000, but the rest of the year, like February, January would be free. And it kind of, you had a, you have a cycle with your content. So mm-hmm. you have a depressed point at time of the year and you have a time of year with a lot more money. So we went through those cycles and then I went to a conference um, with digital marketer and I loved the conference. Perry got up and talked and I think he had like 38 slides. So all of those, here's how you do a presentation. You have three points. You give this many slides. You only have this much information on each slide. Yeah. He threw all those rules out the window and it is still today the best session that I've ever been in and basically said, here's 38 ways you can make money off of a blog post. And I left that conference and the next month I pulled in 27,000. So wow. really more than doubled my income in, I don't, I don't know if it was one month, it may have been two, it may have been like six weeks, but I felt like it was like right away. I put those steps right into place and it was like, oh, so it was almost like you had your ceilings broken. So in my mind, my cap was 3,000 at a small, low month, 10,000 at a big month. We had a couple years of this cycle. And so this is where I thought I was going to be. I was happy there. Okay. And so somebody came along and was like, wait a second, what? Like, um, <laughs> you aren't loving your audience because your audience wants to buy stuff and you're not providing it to them. So think about the impact that you can have if you provided something to your audience. Think about what your audience needs and how you can truly love them more by providing that for them and providing it in a way that they take action. So if they get a meal plan for free, how likely will they be to implement that meal plan and see change in their lives? Pretty low. If you charge them for that meal plan, how much more likely will they be to implement it in their lives and see an improvement? Okay, so if you love them, charge them. So it was almost like you just broke that ceiling and the possibilities from there have been, it's been beautiful. So it's been beautiful, a gift for my family. And I think there's something really, really important in what you said there with going to that conference and you know, so often people go to events, they join masterminds, and they don't realize that all you need from an event is that one nugget of information, that, that one thing that you take away and actually implement that you know, more than doubled your business you know, in that very next month. And that's, that's all it takes is one thing. He, he, that one session changed the course of our revenue. Yeah, it was amazing what had happened. And then I went on to create private label products at that point, And it was really fun to see what happened. So yeah, I owe, I owe Perry the world. I think I told him once too. I met him at a conference at a mastermind that I'm in. And yeah, I got to tell him. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. And uh, Digital Marketers Conference Traffic and Conversion Summit. It was the first business conference that I ever went to. And it is absolutely an unbelievable event. And I know you, Rachel, were a speaker there. Uh, I know. Isn't that crazy? I went from the girl in the audience who was like so overwhelmed and like wowed. (laughs) They had me speak. I was beyond thrilled to be there. You have no clue. Like it was on my bucket list. And I was like totally god, god crazy for it. That is amazing. Well, so Rachel, I know that giving back is something that is so important to you. And I'm curious if fulfillment is something that, you know, you found came from your business or if it was something that you did have to search for outside of your career. A little bit. Yes. I feel like you do have to have fulfillment in multiple places. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually learning that a little bit right now. Um, I'm getting into some like art stuff, not because I'm artistic, 
but because you're turning on a different part of your creative brain when you're doing some artsy stuff. So you're getting fulfillment in the act of creating and creating that's not like the content that's work. So that, that way I can still get those creative juices flowing and then hopefully transfer those into work. So I feel like you need fulfillment in multiple places. If you focus on just one thing, like you get fulfillment from your marriage. I love my husband. He's like totally the best guy ever. But if I made him like the only place I got fulfillment, the poor guy is going to be like, it's, it's not healthy. We all know that, right? It's called codependency and it's not healthy. <laughs> so we don't want just in our children because our children, yes, our children are awesome, but that stifles who they are. And if we just find fulfillment in them, that kind of can be oppressive to them. So I think you do that to your business. You can do that to everything if you put all of your focus into one area. So definitely. Has your definition of fulfillment changed at all as you've grown throughout your career? Huh, that's a good question. I don't know. I've always gotten fulfillment by interacting with other people and by making a difference in other people's lives. So what that is that I'm doing to make a difference changes all the time. So it could be that I'm making a difference in their lives because I'm giving them Play-Doh recipes that let them play with their kids. And that's making a difference. And that's really awesome. And then you're like, okay, why did I inflict parents with glitter? Don't they know <laughs> the bane of existence? Glitter is evil. <laughs> glitter is evil. I hate this stuff. Did you know you can send glitter bombs to people in the mail? I've gotten if you have a <laughs> No, you haven't. No, no, actually, yeah, because people know who I am. They know I've got kids. So I've gotten like, people send like little things to like try to get me to come speak at their things or stuff like that. Does that make sense? So they send like a, yeah, this is who I introduced to who I am. And the one that I remember the most was they sent me six lollipops with glitter in them. So the little box and it opened and it opened and threw the lollipops and the glitter out. My kids thought that was hilarious and they totally got my attention because of it. So they knew I had six kids. They knew my kids would like lollipops. My kids would at least talk about the box that they got from this speaker. (laughs) And I bet you're still finding the glitter now. We got rid of our carpet, so that helped with the glitter issue. But irregardless, I felt like there's things where you say, okay, I'm going to find fulfillment in this area by helping parents with the kids with glitter. You don't like glitter anymore. So we all go through those seasons in our lives. So glitter was amazing when my kids were three, and I thought it was really cool and colorful and crafts. But then when my kids were eight and 12, I'm like, yeah, no, you don't play with glitter by yourself. Uh Uh-uh. I know you're 12. No. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Put the glitter away. (laughs) So you change in who you are and what you're interested in. And so now it's more, well, like, how do I get my kids to be independent? How do I get my kids to take care of pets? Well, that's not really like sexy blog material or let me rephrase that. I didn't want to blog about that. So, (laughs) so now what do I do? And that changes all the time. Yeah. So when it comes to giving back, what cause are you most passionate about and why is that? Um, Right now, my current cause that I'm most passionate about is helping disadvantaged communities. And when I'm saying disadvantaged communities, I mean the communities that we cannot fathom their lifestyle. So when I I was like, oh, six years ago now, five years ago, we went to Ethiopia and we adopted our two boys. And while we were there, I thought I understood what poverty was. Okay. Um, there was a time when we couldn't afford um, formula, right? Yeah. So I thought I knew what poverty was. Um, we were technically, I think, inside the poverty line for a couple of years there, um, but we didn't feel it like that. I mean, we just made different choices. You know what I mean? So I thought I knew what living with less was like. I thought I, you know, I thought I had that down, right? So mm-hmm. we went and adopted our boys and I saw what true abject poverty is. And the poverty leaves parents who 
love their kids to give their kids up for adoption because they cannot afford to keep them. And you want to almost help them afford to keep their kids, but how do you do that? Like, how, how does that look? And so we did not realize all the, the nuances of what adoption meant until like we came home and we had the kids and all this other stuff. But we realized afterwards, we wanted to protect another mom from being in that circumstance of having to potentially give up her kids because she just couldn't even fathom, like, how does she make that work? So now that I see that, okay, I want to protect another mom from being in that circumstance, what can you do? Could We could give them a check, but if you give them a check, that doesn't necessarily, that's like giving someone fish. It doesn't teach them how to fish so they can take care of themselves. So I wanted to think of a way, I was talking to some friends, like, what can I do to think of a way to help the community, help those moms not be put in that circumstance again? And so one of the things that we found was that schools, if you put a school in a community, you raise the education standard of all those children, you raise the community economics because people come and build stores near that school. They build a road near the school. They build, so now the whole economy rises. So what was a really depressed area now has some economy. So there's a way for them to make their own money. So there's a way for them to sell goods on the side of the street, which pays the bills. There's a way for them to, you know, travel from one location to another location because now there's a road to their town because it goes to the school. So we went and we're like, what can we do for a community that has no electricity, no, is in the spot where our boys' parents were. And we found Village Impact. At the time, it was called World Teacher Aid. And at the time, guys, I had had my first launch and I'd opened my product and we made 93,000 in my opening sale. And so I was like, you know what? Next year at this time, I want to build an entire school. So guys, I didn't have the money yet. And I literally signed the contract for the school when I didn't have the money for it. And I think that's what made, kind of put some fire under my bum in the sense, well, now you're on the hook. Like you committed to building the school. So now you're going to have to do that because they're like waiting for you to deliver the money. So, and you know, they're, they're beginning the process. They've hired the team. They've got the the concrete being delivered and and I've only paid for one fourth of it and I've paid that for half of it. And now does that make sense? And so that's a fire under me to, to make the success happen because we had to pay for the school. Sometimes backing yourself into a corner is the best way to ensure that you're going to be successful in, in any venture. I mean, I know I did that to myself when I quit my job without any real backup plan and I had to make it work. So I did. And, you know, the way that you did the same thing with giving and the fact that it led to now this, you know, school being there for these kids that otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to start their education. And more than that, it's that their parents now have a place that they can sell. They, it raises the entire economy of that area. So hopefully those kids, when their parents won't have to be in that spot where they're um, having to choose desperate issues, choose desperate, um, make, make those desperate choices. And their parents, even now in a year or so, that economy will be little growth will help them see a future for their children um, and not have to make desperate choices. Have you had the opportunity to see the school? No. Okay. Um, I have six children. One of our children doesn't do well with change. I can't be gone for two weeks. Mm. 
me to go to Kenya, it would take two weeks. So it's, ah. So I am sending one of the people from our affiliate launches. So whenever I open Moolah, we open it a couple times a year. We have affiliates and the affiliates, if they are a top affiliate, they can either choose cash or they can choose to go see the school. At least that's what we did the last two rounds. And so one of them is going in like two weeks to go see it. So I'm really, really excited. That is amazing. And Rachel, so one thing that I really want to communicate to people through this show is that making an impact isn't something that needs to wait until you've achieved you know, some level of financial success. You know, regardless of how much you have, what we all have is, is time. And giving your time is also a powerful and hugely fulfilling way to help the world. And even on the monetary side, like if you allocate 1% or 5% or 10% or whatever it is of your income to giving, even when that amount is small, the impact is real and it really will only keep growing. So you know, I'm curious, is giving back something that you've always done or was it something that you, know, you began when you hit some certain level? Of no, it's something we've always done. My husband and I have always, even in our less or more lean times, we've always been very generous. That's something that's important in our like ethic, if that makes sense. So we, when we had nothing, we had we were hosting people in our homes that also had nothing, and um, we were we actually worked with immigrants who just come over to the United States as like a welcoming group, and so they'd literally come sometimes stay in our home because. They arrived on a Friday and they were supposed to come on Monday, but their plane landed on Friday and we don't have any like paperwork as to where they're supposed to be and the office doesn't open on Monday. So like I happened multiple times where we were able, even though we had nothing, we did have rice and beans and we did have a couch and you know, you're welcome to those. <laughs> so it was fun. I read a, a quote very recently and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of, you know, your everyday life is someone else's dream come true. So even if you are living on rice and beans here in the United States to a refugee or, you know, someone who does come from that kind of abject poverty, what you have is everything. And so whatever you can do to share and to, you know, help lift other people up and show them that kind of generosity is powerful. And it doesn't matter where you are. Everyone has something to give. That's so, so true. So we, we were thankful that we were in circumstances where we were able to give. Yeah. So how do you instill in your kids the importance of contribution and giving back? Oh, this is a harder one. This is a harder one. It comes with a lot of lectures. Um, <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Well, like today, um, they were playing computer games and one child didn't have a computer. And so it's like, well, okay, guys, so what do you need to do if one kid doesn't have it? What, what's the right way that you can look about this? Or you're getting yourself supper or lunch. That's great. So what do you think you could be doing while you're getting yourself lunch? Do you think maybe you could, you know, ask your brother if he wants you to make him a corn dog as well or whatever it is. It's a lot of lectures and a lot of questions. Because if you ask them a question, this is the same with our audience, guys, okay? Our questions are powerful. Our questions lead people to an action. Our questions position our products and position us as an expert. So I use questions with my kids, like today. So you're making a corn dog? Yeah, that's great. Um, how many other people in the house might want a corn dog? Have you thought about asking them if they'd like a corn dog? So, so okay, specifically, which child are you going to ask if you're going to make them their corn dog? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. They, they learn to take action on their own. Um, without me, yes, I'm telling him to go make his brother a corn dog, but I'm not giving a specific, right. I want him to come to that decision. Right. Um, telling it to him. Keep up. No, no. So who am I kidding? <laughs> 
Completely. Rachel, thank you for everything that you've shared with us today. I don't think I've laughed so much on an interview. It's been so much fun. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I'd like to move into what I call the impact round. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to basically just respond with the first answer that pops into your head. Ready? Oh my, okay. (laughs) All right. So who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? Probably Stu McLaren. Stu McLaren is the creator of Tribe. He starred Village Impact as well, right? Yes. So who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and make an impact? That would be Stu. So I'm sorry, I saw this. So the first one was financial success. That would probably be Perry Belcher then. And then next would be Stu. Then financial success is probably more of that opening that ceiling originally. Love that. Then Rachel, when you're having a bad day or you're in a negative headspace, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Look at my proof folder. So it's a folder I have of um, my students' success. And before that, I would look at my hits page in my hits collection, which is all of the posts that have done well. So, or the people who've written me letters and said, I appreciate this content. Thank you so much. Um, so I go look at my proof, the people on my course who are having amazing success, or I go look at my proof for my websites to say, okay, I'm going the right direction. Even if sometimes I wonder if I am. I love that. I encourage everyone listening to go make their own proof folder. That is so powerful. And then what book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? Oh, there's tons. Probably the 80-20 if you're trying to wonder what should I be doing to grow my business. 80-20 tells you where you should be focusing your time and your effort. Eat the Frog helps you bust out activities. Um, So a lot of people say, how do you run multiple businesses? You have six kids. Your husband works full time. You you just let your nanny go because you thought your kids didn't need a babysitter anymore. So like, like, how does that work? And how does it work is by eat your frog. So take a task and break it down and then take your next task, break it down. So other than that, Contagious is helpful for getting into the mind of your audience. Yeah, there's lots of books. I love them all. (laughs) Awesome. And then lastly, Rachel, what is the worst piece of advice you've heard related to success? And on the flip side, what's the best piece of advice you'd give to our listeners? Hustle. Because yes, you do need to work, but uh, I can't stand the hustle, 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 you know, get, get to, you do, okay, excellence doesn't come with laziness. So, and you do need to work with excellence, but you don't need to work and sacrifice your family. You don't need to work and sacrifice your goals. You don't need to work and sacrifice giving back. So hustle, the hustle mentality just drives me batty. I can't stand it. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) And then on the flip side, what's the best piece of advice that you would give to our listeners? To begin focusing on your audience. Because if you love your audience, you will help them make a difference in their lives and you'll be making an impact. Awesome. Well, Rachel, as you know, here on the show, we have what I like to call the do well and do good challenge. And this is where we encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by our guests. And so I know that for this episode, you've chosen to nominate Village Impact. So could you share some final parting words about that organization and why it's so meaningful to you? I love Village Impact because they're going in and they're building schools and they're building enriching communities. So it's more than just a school. They're also helping um, the infrastructure and helping the community have life brought into it. And these are communities in poverty situations that we can't even fathom. So for me, they have, it's protecting kids like my boys from being in the circumstance where they're being put up for adoption. Not 
that I'm upset with my adoption in any way. I love that I've adopted my boys, but I also see that it came with a cost. I'd love to protect other communities from that cost. So the impact is huge, guys. And then before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you, about Moolah Marketing, and of course, to follow your content? Awesome. Well, rachelmiller.com is one of my websites. You can find out about me there. If you want to know about the course, we open it a couple times a year and the wait list is at moolah.life. Rachel, it has been such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much, Dorothy. I appreciate that you had me on. Well, everyone, that's our show. Now, before we sign off from our chat with Rachel, I want to explain to any new listeners how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. See, each month, I donate 10% of my income to whichever one of the nonprofits nominated by our guests that you vote for. Now, that vote happens inside of our free Facebook group, which is also where I share tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. So the first way you can participate in the challenge is to join that group and vote. There were only one or two votes separating each of the nonprofits last month, so your voice really will be heard. Head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook to join. That's also where you can find that link to my calendar so we can schedule that one-on-one chat. Now, the second way you can participate in the challenge is by contributing yourself. So if you want to join me, it doesn't need to be 10% of your income, whatever feels right to you, but make a contribution to any of the nonprofits nominated and then send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co. Your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having in making the world a better place. So to find the Facebook group, again, head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook. I'll see you there. And thanks for listening. 